welcome back to another episode of that's what i call jones history where you and i shall be taking a journey into knowledge this week scotland part three we're going to be discussing from sources below the mid 15th century all the way to the 16th century there's a lot into that time frame so we're going to stick with that and then on part four we'll go into the 17th and possibly the 18th centuries before we begin wherever you're listening to this podcast apple podbean stitcher spotify do me a favor go down to the rating section drop some stars leave a review my social media will be there as well remember to like share and subscribe and if you want to send any type of feedback or suggestions you can put those below on history topics or send that to blackercouch at gmail.com let's start with mary mary began her reign from 1542 to 67 as another Stuart child ruler in the hands of factions the pro-french party upheld the old church while the pro-english desired reform this is of course after the great james which we discussed last episode by the treaties of greenwich in 1543 mary was to marry edward henry the eighth's heir david beaton archbishop of st andrews and papal legate in scotland from 1544 and mary of guise the queen mother had this policy rescinded and the murder of beaton in 1546 in english punitive raids culminating in the scottish defeat at pinky in 1547 did not cause scotland to love england more with respect fuck you france helped scotland to expel the english but only in return for such a hold over the country that by the time of young mary's marriage to the dauphin in 1558 france appeared to be about to absorb scotland i don't think that england would have been pleased to have another french presence on its doorstep in the 16th century scotland like the rest of europe was rocked by reformation early in the century protestant ideas spread through scotland and gradually took hold finally in 1557 a group of scottish nobles met and signed a covenant to uphold protestant teachings however the leading figure in the scottish reformation was john knox from 1505 to 1572 in 1559 he returned from geneva where he had learned the teachings of john calvin calvinist ideas are a form of protestantism i think people think protestant and think there's only one form of protestantism and that's not true there's like a lot of branch off ones from that including those that first landed on or landed in virginia knox preaching won many converts and finally in 1560 the scottish parliament met and severed all links with the pope parliament also banned the catholic mass or any doctrine or practice contrary to a confession of faith drawn up by knox the scottish reformation had succeeded and scotland was now a protestant country the church in the 16th century scotland may not have had more ignorant or immoral priests than those of previous generations but restiveness at their shortcomings was becoming more widespread and the power structure of the church seemed to preclude the possibility of reform without revolution in 1561 queen mary returned from france after the death of her husband the dauphin mary was a staunch catholic which was a problem 
Put your faith in the light. She was forced to accept the Scottish Reformation, but she had no intention of abandoning her own faith. In 1565, Mary married her Catholic cousin, Henry Stuart, Lord Darnley. This, this is not okay. However, Darnley became jealous of Mary's Italian secretary, David Riccio. In March 1566, Darnley and his friends murdered Riccio. Mary never forgave Darnley and she came under the spell of the Earl of Bothwell. In 1567, a house where Darnley was staying was blown up. You are dead, dead, dead. You are dead, dead, dead. Thought you were hot. Guess what? You're not. You are dead, dead, dead. Oh, what an unfortunate accident, except when Darnley's body was found, it was discovered that he had been strangled. Y'all didn't make sure that he was at least charcoaled. Shortly afterward, Mary married Bothwell. Enraged, the Protestant nobles rose and captured Mary because you murdered your husband and then married the man that probably enacted that crime. They forced her to abdicate in favor of her baby son, who became James IV. Mary escaped and raised an army, but she was defeated at the Battle of Langside and fled to England, which was another mistake, because Queen Elizabeth detained Mary in England and assisted James Douglas, the fourth Earl of Morton, regent from 1572, in achieving stability in Scotland fortunately while she remained a prisoner how could this happen to me i made my mistakes got nowhere to run the night goes on as i'm fading away i'm sick of this life i just want to scream how could this happen to me This is a classic case of I keep choosing the wrong man to put my trust in. (laughs) Some people are like that. They just choose really bad mates. Scotland was ruled by regents until James was old enough to rule himself. In 1587, his mother, Mary, was beheaded in England because she couldn't keep her shenanigans under wraps. In 1589, James married Anne of Denmark. Then in 1603, on the death of Elizabeth I, he became King James I of England as well as King James IV of Scotland, reuniting the two countries temporarily. I also is kind of like Mary had the last laugh in the end because she had the baby that would sit on the throne however james policy was one of overall insurance he avoided giving offense to catholic continental rulers and while he dealt effectively with lawbreakers on the border and elsewhere he showed marked leniency toward his catholic nobles even when the discovery of letters and blank documents entitled the spanish blanks affair in 1592 showed that several of them were in treasonable conspiracy with a foreign power Neither a heroic king like James IV nor the pedantic and cowardly buffoon predicted in Sir Walter Scott's The Fortunes of Nigel 
James IV was a supple and able politician. His theories of divine right monarchy were a scholar king's response to an age when the practice and theory of regicide were fashionable. Except perhaps at the very end of his life, James was too realistic to let his theories entirely govern his conduct. He also, I'm pretty sure, had this thing against witches. Burn, baby, burn. But even he at the end was like, I think we're taking it a little too far. When we do our uh, portraits of people, basically portraits of their lives, we'll talk more about uh, his regency. James excelled in picking good servants from among the lairds and burgesses. Uh, maybe I said that right. Maybe I said that wrong. They were his judges and privy counselors and sat on the committee of articles with which he dominated parliament. After 1603, they governed Scotland smoothly in his absence, which is very important since he spent a lot of his time in England. James' son, Charles I, from 1625 to 1649, was not as smart. Crazy motherfucker named Joe. He foolishly tried to bring the Scottish religion in line with the English religion. In 1637, he tried to impose a prayer book on the Scots. They did not take it too uh too happily they rejected it utterly and on february the 28th of 1638 in the following two days nobles and gentlemen in Indeburg signed a document promising to uphold to uphold the true religion you can't get rid of me bitch i'm not going nowhere i'm not going no fucking where charles the first was raised english born english brought up with english prejudices and so he tried to force the scots to submit in 1639 he raised an army in england however he was desperately short of money and he made a peace treaty to buy time in 1640 charles raised another army but the scots invaded england and they occupied newcastle and durham they withdrew in 1641 then in january 1649 the English beheaded Charles I. England said, we don't need no fucking king. We got parliament, which is... And instead of a king, they have a Lord Protector, and his name is Cromwell. In July of 1650, another English army invaded Scotland and occupied Edinburgh. In the summer of 1651, they defeated a Scottish army at... Inverkeithing? A Scottish army then invaded England. And since they are so close, it really is just about border <laughs> conflicts more so than anything else. Uh, a Scottish army then invaded England. They hoped English royalists would join them, but they did not. The Scots were routed at Worcester in September of 1651. Charles II fled abroad. The English army then occupied the whole of Scotland, so it no longer becomes a border patrol type of or border skirmish type of thing. Cromwell imposed on Scotland a full and incorporating parliamentary union with England in 1652. However, this union maintained by an army of occupation did not enjoy popular consent nevertheless cromwell's administration of scotland was efficient and his judges some of them englishmen achieved an admired impartiality 
Public order was well maintained even in the highlands after the collapse of royalist resistance in 1654. Finally, in 1679, the Archbishop of St. Andrews was murdered and unrest spread through the West. However, the government sent troops to quell it and the Covenanters, I think that's right, were defeated at the Battle of Bothwell Brig. Nevertheless, the Covenanters continued to resist and the government continued to persecute them. The 1680s became known as the Killing Time. He's climbing in your windows, he's snatching your people up, trying to rape them, so y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. Charles II died in 1685 and his brother James became King James II. However, James II was a Roman Catholic and both English and Scots feared he would restore Roman Catholicism. James II was deposed in 1688 and William and Mary became King and Queen of Scotland. The Scottish Parliament restored Presbyterianism. Presbyterianism. However, not all Scots welcomed the new monarchs. The Highlanders, not so much. Man, fuck you, motherfucker. They rose under Viscount Dundee. They won a victory at Kilcranky in 1689, but their leader was killed and the Highlanders dispersed. The government was determined to bring the Highlands to heel and they ordered the chiefs of all the clans to take an oath of loyalty to King William by the last day of 1691. However, the chief of the McDonald's of Glencoe arrived late and only took the oath on January 6th of 1692. Even though he was only a few days late, the government decided to make an example of him. So troops led by Captain Robert Campbell of Glen Lyon were sent to Glencoe and billeted in cottages there. The McDonald's treated them hospitably. However, early in the morning of February the 13th, Campbell and his men fell on the sleepy McDonald's. They went from house to house, killing the inhabitants and then burning the houses Altogether, 38 people were murdered, including the clan chief. The Sapali massacre became known as the Massacre of Glencoe. And that is the main politics that were going on between um, the mid 15th century, bringing us into the 17th century. Uh, talking about commerce, what did that look like? From the mid-16th century, Scotland experienced a decline in demand for exports of cloth and wool to the continent. Scots responded by selling larger quantities of traditional goods, increasing the output of salt, herring, and coal. The fortunes of the Scottish spurs in the export trade changed across the century. Haddington, which had been one of the major centers of trade in the late medieval period, saw its share of foreign exports collapse in the 16th century. Aberdeen's share of trade remained stable for most of the century but slumped in the last decade. The small fief ports grew in significance and Indenburg took an increasing share of trade through its ports of Leith or Leith. This forced smaller ports to diversify into other commodities and to undertake more coastal trading. Overall, there was an increase in foreign trade from the 1570s, of which Indenburg received the major share. Culturally, women acted as an important part of the workforce. Many unmarried women worked away from their families as farm servants, and married women worked with their husbands around the farm, taking part in all the major agric agricultural tasks. 
they had a particular role as the shears in the harvest forming most of the reaping team of the banwin women also played an important part in the expanding textile industries spinning and setting up warps for men to weave there is evidence of single women engaging in independent economic activity particularly for widows who can be found keeping schools brewing ale and trading a lot of the ale liquor that came from women even into england that was simply something women did to make money for the household there's a lot of evidence of a black presence in scotland during the 15th and 16th century very much as there was a small presence in previous century at least in the 14th in 1549 marion lady home wrote to mary of guise requesting her to be good to an unnamed moor who and this is a quote is as sharp a man as rides they say it in the tongue but i don't think i can say it who is as sharp and man race mentioned in the same breath as the spanish mercenaries at a time when hume castle was occupied by the english this may reference to sir pedro negro negro a spanish mercenary soldier who may have been the first african ever to receive an english knighthood in 1546 pedro negro traveled into france with quote diverse other spanish knights and gentlemen under the command of the spanish colonel pedro de gamba they won a victory on july 15th and were all awarded lifetime annuities negro was awarded 75 i don't know if this is pound or lira in august and 100 lira that september on september 28th of 1547 he was knighted by the duke of somerset at roxborough after the taking of leith or Leith on july 7th 1549 he led a charge through the scots that were besieging the strategically important castle of haddington to provide the castle with vital gunpowder which allowed the english to defend themselves against the more numerous enemy according to a spanish chronicler it was necessary to kill the 300 horses so as not to let the enemy take them which he calls a pretty feat of war he died in london july 15th of 1551 of the sweating sickness his funeral was quite a ceremony with 12 staffs torches burning flute playing and the streets hung uh, street hung with black and with his arms so he was very much revered the preacher was dr bartlett and it was attended by the company of clerks a herald and many mourners since england and scotland were tied at this time i am going to include some stories uh, of africans in england as well uh, because all africans did not attain really great status it's not to say that they didn't but there are other stories such as diego negro of which we only know that he worked as a servant for thomas browry in 1541 in southampton around 1546 to 48 another african lived originally from guinea called jacques frances the slave of a of a venetian named peter paulo who was engaged to raise sunken vessels including the mary rose francis was called to testify in the high court of admiralty 
admiralty admiralty admiralty in defense of his master who had been accused of stealing tin and lead his testimony was admitted by the court despite the protests of another venetian anthony de niccolo romero who quote said that the that james francis oh my gosh they're really trying to make me read this gaelic and i'm not good at gaelic like not even a little bit but uh a morisco born where they are not christian and a slave to the said peter paulo and therefore no credit nor faith ought to be given to his sayings as in other strange christian countries hit yes to no such slave given so basically don't trust anything he says out of his fucking mouth because he's a black man it was this case that brought into question the legal status of africans in england jacques frances asserted to the court that he was the famous he was the famulus of the italian which meant household servant as opposed to service the normal latin word for slave slavery was not recognized under english law as we find in the 1658 cartwright decision in which quote it was resolved that england was too pure an air for slaves to breathe in second deck that of course did not mean that they did not take free black people off the street and try to sell them into slavery in 1551 englishmen made their first voyage to barbary on which there were two moors being noble men whereof one was the king's blood conveyed by the said master thomas Wyndham into their country out of england in may 1553 antoine or antoine anton oh lord an egyptian was buried in Gravesend in 1554 the merchant john locke brought five africans to england three of whom were named anthony george and benny whereof quote or i should say quote first whereof some were tall and strong men and could well agree with our meats and drink end quote three were returned home in 1556 to act as guides and interpreters what happened to the other two is not recorded this is pretty much i'm just going through times in which africans were clearly and documented to be ever so briefly or permanently in because we're not going to get all of this you know there's not where we follow their stories all the way but this is just evidence to the fact that we were there <laughs> we were definitely even considered uh relevant enough to be educated so that they can be useful this evidence may well be the tip of an unrecorded iceberg of africans living in england at this time their status was varied and though they were mostly dependents they were not slaves as we get to the end of the podcast there are a few additional names that i was able to find in recorded history of black presence in england and scotland at this time john blank the trumpeter is one of the most famous he was a trumpeter in the court of henry the seventh 
it's possible that he came with catherine of aragon about 1501 when she left spain to marry arthur who was supposed to be king but died his wages of eight d per day were noted in the accounts of the treasurer of chamber he was very much not enslaved and not only earned a salary but successfully petitioned king the eighth for a hundred percent raise where's my money bitch he even rated getting a wedding present from king uh henry the eighth in 1512 so you know he was somebody according to kaufman's book the image in figure 15 is the only known portrait of an african in tudor england this lack of visual evidence no doubt feeds into the misconception that black people weren't present in tudor england we already talked a little bit about jack francis the salvage diver uh but he was the head of the dive team to bring up the guns from the sunken mary rose because of the excellent reputation the team had developed they were asked to do another job in the course of that project his master employer whichever peter corsi was accused of theft which we already went over and he gave evidence in the court of law mary phyllis the moroccan convert we know of mary from her baptismal record june the 3rd of 1597 she worked for and possibly lived with her employer millicent porter who was a seamstress mary originally came to england with her father with her father phyllis of morisco as a small child approximately aged six in 1583 her fate after porter died in 1599 remains a mystery uh, the silk weaver tell me that's not the best name for a vendor ever reasonable was a silk weaver living in southward during the last quarter of the 16th century roughly from 1578 to 1592 dr kaufman conjectures that he came to london by the way of the netherlands which had a good-sized african population and a thriving textile manufacturing industry that's interesting that africans were huge in the netherlands uh, i'm gonna have to bookmark that it is known that he had at least three children two of whom, whom sadly perished in the london plague of 1592 catalina of almondsbury independent single woman uh don't quote destiny's child as the author of this article clearly wanted to do <laughs> quite simply catalina lived her life on her own terms she was unmarried and certainly not enslaved in fact she owned a cow and profited by selling milk and butter to her neighbors there's even an inventory of all the items that she owned she lived in almondsbury near bristol until her death in 1625 we did talk briefly about diego the circumnavigator diego became a crew member aboard the france aboard actually no we didn't talk about diego he became a crew member aboard francis drake's ship in panama in 1572 he was able to broker a partnership between drake's crew and samarans african settlers who had formerly been spanish captives to seize over 150,000 pesos of spanish silver and gold diego accompanied drake back to plymouth and then set sail in 1577 you know if you know anything about francis drake you know he was queen elizabeth's bay uh diego company drake back to plymouth and then set sail in 1577 on the golden hindi 
to circumnavigate the globe he eventually succumbed to battle wounds in 1579 in the maluka or maluki or or islands then known as the spice islands because of the nutmegs mace and cloves found there lastly we got anne kobe the tawny moor with soft skin and was a sex worker in the 1620s in the saint clement danes parish who commanded a high price because of her looks when it comes to cultural exchange sex is one of the first boundaries that is typically crossed her name is known because the people who owned the brothel where she was employed were brought into court in 1626 information about africans in 16th century scotland comes mainly from court records dealing with expediture their day-to-day life was not documented what africans did collectively or as individuals in their own social life existing information is unable to reveal however it was presumably some sort of social relationship for black margaret black elaine and peter the morian would certainly have known each other since they were at a cosmopolitan court with a geographical distance of one mile from castle to palace family life existed as there were wives and children for there is mention of payment to the quote more tobrinus drummer wife in his band uh, and there were several christenings naming a new child in african tradition is a social event as in 16th century scotland certainly there would have been some sort or form of celebration the african ladies seem to have led a busy life judging from the many items of expediture for gowns on their behalf there is no idea of how the black presence was accepted by the wider scottish society but their presence was given royal approval on the marriage of james the fourth to anne of denmark africans were still in vogue in scotland as the celebrations for the king's marriage was showed Anne's journey from Denmark was disrupted in Oslo and King James sailed out there to meet her. As Antonia Fraser noted, quote, the wedding ceremony performed then and there was also marred by mishap. The four Negroes commissioned by James to dance artistically in the snow all subsequently perished of pneumonia. This tragic incident indicates that not only did Africans provide their own brand of musical entertainment, but also African dancing again indicating an historical indicating an historical cultural relationship between africans and scots which continue up to the present day the african pageant performer at the christening of the son of james the fourth is at present the last recorded african in 16th century scotland after this nothing seen nothing more seems to be known probably has something to do with them jumping into the slave trade at that point whether africans disappeared altogether from scotland or their presence was not document documented it's a task for future research as the court moved to london with the union of the crown any remaining african royal servants presumably moved south with the king and that leads into the 17th century where england thought black servants were all the vogue and rage we'll talk more about that when we get into the 17th and 18th century that is where we're going to leave it today if you have any feedback as stated blackercouch at gmail.com you can leave your comment below my social media will be there as well remember to like share and subscribe until the next time peace hair grease and blacker magic <laughs>